Welcome to Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and St. Francis College Career Center. My great pleasure to be back with you today. Our wonderful millennial co-host, Gina Pirro, St. Francis College Class of 2017, is with us, as well as our IT expert, Helena Brankovic, peer counselor at St. Francis College. The purpose of Thank God for Monday is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace, these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times motivates you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as how to utilize the information we provide today, take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of Thank God for Monday is to introduce role models, role models of people who take very bold steps in their work life. We are honored today to have with us a most special guest, who is no stranger to our Thank God for Monday listeners. Her name is Kathleen Neville. She is a noted author, speaker, and global authority on sexual harassment, gender equality, discrimination, and conduct. Hello and welcome back to Thank God for Monday, Kathleen. Hello, Brother Greg. Thank you so much for having me. And hello to Helena. And Gina, it's so nice to be here with you. Ah, the pleasure is all ours. Kindly remind the listeners, Gina, Helen, and I, just who Kathleen Neville is and, and where are you speaking from today? Well, the, I'm going to go with the easiest part of that question. Um, where am I? And as I've said, I'm at the North Pole, but I'm at the northest, um, the, the, um, South Shore of Lake Ontario in western New York. So, and you should see the ice that is gathered on Lake Ontario. It's it's actually beautiful, but it's it's also cold. <laughs> and then, as far as your and I'm not avoiding your question on who am I. Um, you know, that's what we all ask ourselves every day. Like, who am I, and what am I here for? And um, the, the work that I'm doing right now at this point in my life is really does answer the um, what am I what am I here for? And the who is, you know, it's really interesting. I'm at a point in my life where I fully understand why certain things happen to me. Um, you know, we know that um, with people that if you've been if you've been struck by something in your life that's changed it, changed your course, um, unpredicted, um, you didn't all your education and planning, you know, you weren't ready for that. You know, I truly did have that experience in my life where what happened and what what I saw then around me was, you know, called me to, you know, get busy and do something about it. And so that's, I guess that's the who I am. Um, well, we're right so now. blessed. We're so blessed, Kathleen, to have someone of your ilk. And certainly in the next few minutes, the listeners will get to know you even more, no doubt about it. Now, I can't believe it, Kathleen. It's been a full year since you were last on, thank God, for Monday. What's been going on since you last appeared on our show? So um, as far as around the world, <laughs> around the world and the issues that I work on um, or 
what have what have I been doing? But they're both kind of the same. I would say a little of both. A little, a little of both. Right. So with um, the the work that I do, as you described um, better than I can, but I have really devoted myself to helping young people, um, people in the workplace, um, really reach a level of conduct to, so that they think about they think about what they do, their actions, and how they affect others. But, you know, we're at a point in time that we've never been at before where people are realizing that, you know what, I am a little biased. I am, you know, we're talking about implicit bias, unconscious bias. Um, we're talking about how we treat each other, how we react to each other, and how we regard each other. So I feel like what has, as I've watched, um, and we've all watched, what's happening in our world, specifically in our cultures, that we, you know, and I feel that we are all at a crossroad, at a point where we've stopped and thought, you know, morally, who am I? And, you know, taking responsibility, um, that we must take responsibility for what we think and believe and feel, how much that goes into our actions as to how we treat each other. So I feel like it's the, the, the responsibility that we all have now to address that and to address it in colleges, high schools, preschool, um, right away yeah. in families, units of, um, of people, of, organizations we're involved with that, you know, we set, we create culture individually and collectively, we create it. And this is an opportunity for us to really address it. And, you know, you see where we are and you see where we're like aghast at how much work we have to do or that we thought, we thought that people that we knew thought the same way we did. And it's so, it's been startling but at the same time, I feel like this is the only way we're going to become better. But I think our moral position, um, you know, that, you know, we've talked for years about integrity, character. Now, this is the time where we understand what it is and how powerful it is. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And, I, you know, I have, um, you know, I have a really exciting project that I've been working on that's kind of a, evolved from my many years experience um, working with people in the workplace on educating them on the sexual harassment, what it is, um, and, you know, just generally um, creating workplaces that are positive um, and respectful of everyone. So that, you know, I, when I first started doing that, I really did feel like I had a roll of paper towels and I had a massive oil spill to to uh, clean up. Right. But you know, I I then became you know recognized that one at a time is still you know still positive and is still moving forward. And if you can you know get someone's attention that maybe didn't realize how their actions affected other people, like actions mm -hmm. that people carry for the rest of their life. As in, you know, you, 
you can't find a victim of sexual assault, sexual harassment, bullying, or just someone that had maybe a teacher, a friend, a coach, um, a parent say something to them that they didn't carry. We always remember when someone has said something that is, you know, cuts at the heart of um, who we are. We, we react to that and we remember that throughout our life. So that's my, you know, honing in on my mission. And that is, um, that is very much a part of my mission for us to recognize how powerful our words and actions are for a lifetime, for someone else's lifetime. Kathleen, earlier you mentioned the word purpose, and it is really beautiful to see how you are so in tune with your purpose and your calling and how powerful it has been and continues to be. Now, one of the things we were really excited to learn about is that you recently became the founder and CEO of Champion Conduct, um, which is a program that brings big name on-demand mentorship to athletes and to coaches. So could you please tell us more about this program? Sure. Um, so for the last 10 years, uh, you know, I've been a consultant to the National Football League, specifically to Troy Vincent, who is um, the executive vice president, and he is head of football operations. So wow. everything, so much reports into football operations from officials uh, offic- you know, officiating the game, the, actually the game itself. Um, under that also is player engagement, as in the development of players on all levels. And um, so because of my work with um, Troy Vincent, we, you know, we were really um, addressing domestic violence, relationship violence, sexual assault, and um Overall, trying to help those engaged in the game of football um, to recognize, you know, the and to help recognize their responsibilities. Um, they need to know about this, but also to help them become better people. Um, so champion conduct, you had said just recently, um, it's actually been seven years. And to the point where my friends, uh, I'll say something about champion conduct. And I really think that they thought, I wonder if it'll ever lift off. Um, but what I did with those seven years. And so this is the week that champion conduct is being officially announced. But during those seven years, I did extensive um, pilots on the program. You know, I drove to Detroit and. Um, worked with kids from Detroit Cal, um, went to different universities, um, working with um, student athletes and also working with children. And most recently, last summer, this was the last program I did before getting into the, the really the launch of Champion Conduct was I did a program for a shelter um, domestic violence shelter as mothers and children. And of course they were essentially in a form of like everyone, a lockdown that, you know, they were, um, restricted to the shelter and the children were six to 12 years old. So I did a customized champion conduct program for them, which isn't the initial target market for champion conduct. It's actually 
begins at right now, high school, ninth grade through pros. But and so that's a wide range. But I'm convinced that all of them need the same information Um, that in the ninth year, the ninth grader, um, it needs to know exactly what the the rookie um, professional football player needs to know. So but what I learned from the children um, last summer is they took to it. They craved it. They were excited about it. They were. At first, I tried to, I had a fake microphone and to try to get them to introduce themselves to others to stand up. Well, by the end of the program, they were so confident in what their dreams were and what they wanted to do. And, and they embraced the fact that I was, you know, really sharing tools with them to get there. And we, we talked extensively about discrimination and bias and how they treat how, um, how they treat others, how they've been treated, are they treated differently? And they had very candid discussions, um, astounding because of their age, astounding. Um, but at the end, I, I could, I couldn't get the microphone back from them because they were so eager to be heard and to talk and to share. So after that, I thought, um, and I've been working with, um, I've actually been working, it's okay if I say another college, isn't it, um, Brother Greg? Of course. So um, my undergrad alma mater is uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. So I have been in discussion with them um, probably about four years, but a year ago, um, just before the pandemic, my last actually official business meeting um, on the earth was uh, last a year ago, and it was with RIT. So we we have you know entered into a creative partnership for you know they're known for their um, school of film and animation, and they have the Spell Studios um, Magic Center. So they you know they are acclaimed in digital media technology. Um, so we've been working together in developing a mobile app, and this app is basically mentoring in a, a it's mentoring in a phone. And I've been working very hard at bringing together, you know, the very significant people in across the spectrum of sports, um, both genders, and you know, from lacrosse to the NFL. And I am so excited about, you know, there's 40 topics. There'll be 40 episodes. It's, you know, I think it's a very high level film project. Um, and these episodes, you know, we're looking at them like each of in themselves is a mini, you know, it's a mini documentary, but they're, it's gritty. And, you know, I've, I also have some students, college students that have had just incredible things that have happened to them that they've needed to overcome in order to play sports, in order to attend college. Um, so they're inspiring, even in their pain and what they've been through. They're so inspiring. And this is where, so bringing it all kind of back to the mission, my objective with this uh, mobile app was to really um, reach reach these student athletes, athletes, coaches that look at what actions 
your intentional actions can do. And it's that you can, you can be powerful, inspiring, or you can, you can significantly harm a person's soul, um, for the rest of their life. So, you know, and kind of taking away that authoritative, like you can't do this, you can't do that in the workplace. Don't do this. You know, people look at that as compliance and this is looking at individually people looking at their own behavior and you know this is very private but the information and the tool that we're giving them is you know there's camaraderie there where they are collectively agreeing that yeah this is important so in the carrot and all of this is that um you know they can be certified um after a year they would be champion there would be champion conduct certification so that um and I do have a uh, you know scouts that will be sharing this is what we look for you know character this is what we look for in a, a player before we sign them or recruit them um but you know I'm you know my uh dream is that there'll be a day where Someone will look at transcripts and they'll look at their, you know, they'll look at a, a player, for example, at the combine and then say, okay, let's see his or her champion conduct record. What have they done there? Um, because I'm also asking them to, to commit to a cause, a nonprofit, a foundation, something that they, they want to do and they want to be a part of. So they have to do that for a year. Too. And this is common with schools, but there's, you know, this is part of their overall becoming really a champion of conduct. So was that too long of an answer? No, we enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And now it seems like you've done a lot of great work, a lot of different groups, a lot of projects. And I don't think a lot of people could handle that kind of work. So I'm interested to know how did you decide to get involved in such serious issues such as sexual harassment and personal conduct management. Oh, thank you, um, Helena. And I probably should have said a little bit about this when Greg, uh, Brother Greg was asking me, who am I and what do I do? Um, I worked in, um, after graduate school, um, I, you know, I essentially, you know, I wanted to be in television. I wanted to be in communication. So I was very fortunate and, was recruited by um, an NBC affiliate and in, in my mid twenties. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it was really, it, I, and I'm not just saying this brother because you're here, but I w I felt so fortunate, everything that I had um, that was happening, um, you know, had a wonderful job. I, you know, I was able to, you know, use all my creative juices on producing and, you know, writing my segments and um, just being out there with people. It was, you know, it was a wonderful time. I also had started a mentoring program called Women in Touch, and I wanted to help uh, senior, um, young girls, seniors in high school, connect them with professional women that were already had arrived so that they could guide them, even suggest college choices, just tell them what, you know, they learned, how they got to where they 
were. And it's interesting because I've come full circle now. You know, mentoring has always been a part of my life. But, and then I was career woman of the year. I remember that it's, no, it's, it's like, I remember thinking, this is really, um, this is the pinch me too good. It's like going really well. And the reason why I said, brother, um, I'm not just saying this because you're a part of, very much a part of this conversation, but I made time to, you know, I went to daily mass. Um, it wasn't, wasn't far from the station. And so when everything blew apart, you know, my, my whole life blew apart, um, that I was at a point where I thought, oh, will you struggle with the why? Why? Sure. Asking the who, and that was the why. But I experienced sexual harassment um, from my um, my boss, and I reported it. And it was frightening. It wasn't. It wasn't like he. It was what they call quid pro quo sexual harassment, which is basically you have to um, su- you have to subject to um, sex in order to keep your job. And you know there was physical assault. And you would think that I was in a I was in a television station, and you would think that wouldn't happen there. But as you know, in the past couple of years, we've seen it. Like, of course, it was you know television station is not that unusual and network is not that in because it's it's everywhere and it has been so i reported it um i reported it and i was fired and you know i had a great record at the you know i had the you know the i had a great um employment record with the uh, station so i was fired and you know i i it was you know, I remember, I remember going out to the, my car, you know, carrying my things and not knowing what to do. And because I was, I was fairly, you know, I guess well known because of television. And when the article started coming out, you know, it was, I, I didn't know if I would ever be able to come back, you know, if there'd be anything for me. And it was a struggle. It was a long struggle. And I, you know, I did elect to go to court. Um, and it turns out I was the first of that type in federal court in that district. Um, there were some others, but mine was like, this is like, okay, here's a, here's an example of what sexual harassment, um, a charge looks like. So long story, it took almost 10 years. I moved to Washington during that because I felt like, you know, I thought that I could be, there would be, I would be anonymous a little bit more under the radar, but it, it, it was all, everyone knew. Everyone knew that uh, that had happened um, and that I had been fired. So in Washington, you know, I, I wrote, uh, I wrote, I wrote the first book on a uh, first person book on what, what it's like to go through it and not about poor me. You know, I really, at that time I thought maybe I could just help someone because no one's been down this road there. Yes. In the country, there were others, but there were few and far between. So I had found 
six, seven, it was probably eight of us, um, six that were really active that we banded together and we were the women's advancement for good employment standards. And that's when, you know, that's when my, that's when my book sold, you know, I got a contract for the book and, um, that's so Helena to answer your question that, you know, I really, at first was like, you know, when you get the call, the calling, and it's almost like charades when someone gives you like reach in and take something, you know, take it out. This is what you have to act out. And, you know, I, I wanted to put it back. You know, I, I didn't, that's not what I saw for my life, but really that was already my life. You know, it was already the mentoring that I was doing. I was working with a young women's program and, you know, I was preparing women for stage, you know, similar to what, you know, I've been doing my whole life, but that experience, and it was very painful. You know, I talk about it as a matter of fact, but it's still painful. It's still painful because I always wonder, gee, I wonder what, you know, that fork in the road, I wonder what would have happened. But, you know, I've been dedicated to, I will not let that happen to, you know, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that Everyone has a fair shot at work and is treated um, res- um, treated with respect. And, you know, so it's been a lifetime of educating myself and then educating others. And um, and at the right time, also making sure I, I speak up because silence is, you know, that's one of the toughest things to overcome. I think that's why we there was an explosion of bad behavior and misconduct in the last, I would say, you know, four or five years where all of that was bubbling under the surface. And now we, I mean, we have a lot of work to do to return to, and it won't be a return to anything. It's like to find a new civility, a new, um, you know, we, we have to pay close attention to this and we all have to do our part. So Helena, that's, that's how, you know, I used Alice in Wonderland um, quotes at the beginning of each chapter, because that is truly what it felt like. Like I had just fallen down a rabbit's hole and, and by the way, it affected my, you know, I have four brothers, it affected my family. Um, My father had a stroke right after I, you know, he was young, he was young, had a stroke right after I had been fired. Um, the effect on my life, oh, and the, the guy that I was dating wanted to, turns out he wanted to run for office and his father was like, you know, you really, really shouldn't be with her. I was, I was, um, not a, well, I was probably a pariah for a time period, but, you know, I have been through it and, I, you know, I really encourage people that, yep, it it might hurt. It might hurt and it's going to impact. But if I hadn't spoken up back then, um, I don't know how I would have lived with myself now. So that's my story, Helena. Thank you. And our last and maybe most important question is, when is Untarnished expected to be available and how can our loyal listeners best contact you? Um, So I will... 
I'm hoping that it'll be early 22. So I'm hoping. Um, and I'll keep you posted on that. But um, so as far as contact, um, I can be reached. Um, there's a phone number, you know, if uh, 212-721-4033. And also um, they can reach me. Is it okay if I give out an email address? Of course. Okay. So um, Neville at championconduct.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kathleen. And again, listeners, that's K Neville, spelled N as in Nancy, E-V-I-L-L-E. Kathleen, we just want to thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. Once again, not surprisingly, on Thank God for Monday. Listeners, after you have connected with Kathleen and checked out her book and her other resources, please remember to also connect with us on our Thank God for Monday social media. You could find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Gina, thank you. thank you very, very much. Kathleen, Neville, we can't thank you for coming back once again and gracing our airwaves here on Thank God for Monday. As always, you enlighten us much more. You inspire us to do what we can to follow your trailblazing, to really get conduct in colleges and the workplace to where they need to be. And as a special appreciation today, we want to give you the blessing of St. Francis. May the Lord bless thee, Kathleen. May the Lord keep thee. May he show his face to thee and have mercy. The Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. May he turn to thee his countenance and give thee peace. The Lord bless thee, Kathleen Neville. Amen. Listeners, sorry, once again, we're out of time. Gina, Helena, Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Kathleen Neville does, you'll say, thank God for Monday.